late Luke is going to be, but I'm cool talking about financial compensation um, in in the broad in the broad sense. We don't have to get into specifics. Sure, because it's not it's not your business how much uh, <laughs> how much Mike makes, unless you're part of his church. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. It's true, but as I was telling Eric, I will be honest, our church, my church, is very generous with me, even though I keep asking them not to be. Yeah. Yeah. My church is my church is generous as well. Um, but I think I think in light of recent conversations, um, the most generous thing my church does is report my income correctly instead of incorrectly. Uh, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Bible and Banter. You've got the B team. It is uh, it is Eric and Mike. Uh, once Luke gets here, it'll be the A team. Uh, Luke is running behind. And um, yeah, so so we're going to – we don't know how long he's uh, – how late Luke is going to be. Um, did you say? Are you checking the text message? The text yeah, yeah, I missed that one. Uh, he keeps mentioning poop in the. That in was the my fault. As as always, <laughs> that was me. You're the one bringing up bodily functions. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> um, but you and I, before we came on air, we're just talking about uh, the SBC annual meetings going on now, which is very interesting to watch. It's very encouraging in one sense, but um, in another sense, it's also it's very eye opening. But then we're also talking about financial compensation. So, um, yeah, because it seems like, like for, for pastors, it seems like, it, like churches major in screwing up compensation, uh, it, like, uh, at least found out this morning about one, uh, one pastor who's getting paid by a 1099 and it's essentially, he's essentially getting taxed. Twenty to thirty thousand dollars more than he should be, um, because of the way his church is is improperly reporting his income. So, uh, if you have questions about that, consult a CPA, consult a, an accountant that is an expert in clergy taxes. It's very different than non-clergy taxes. Yeah, yeah, especially when it comes to Social Security. That's the biggie. Yes. Yeah. And if you're paying your pastor on a 1099, um, stop it, stop it yes, now. Please stop. Please, stop. you are hurting them. You're hurting them financially, and they might not even realize it. So pay them on a W two. If you want to know more, consult a CPA who specializes in clergy taxes. Or I posted the link on my Facebook to Church Tax and Law, and you can they they post a guide every single year um, that you can read through. I'm cheap, so I usually read the year before, <laughs> but um, it usually doesn't change all that much. So it, it at least like when I first came into the ministry, I was so lost in how to do taxes. But um, a good friend, Andy Rice, became an expert in it. He gave me some good guidance, and then I consulted with some some CPAs and with those gui guidelines looking at the tax law for the IRS, and um, you don't want to mess that up. Nope. No, no, no. Yeah. No. The only thing that I still question in my, in my ministry career is not because we, we talked about this, that you as a pastor, are, if you had theological reasons to not be part of social security, that you can opt out in a limited window and mm -hmm. you did opt out in that window and I did not. And some mm -hmm. days I regret that ex exponentially. 
Well, the unfortunate thing is you only have, it's either the first 12 or 24 months that you're an ordained pastor. So you have 12 to 24 months to make that decision with the IRS. And, um, and I filed that. Uh, so I don't, I don't pay into social security. Otherwise um, I would, because, and this is the complicated thing. And uh, if you're just joining us, our show is not going to be about financial compensation for pastors or anything like that, or taxes. We're actually going to talk about discipleship, but this was just a topic that Mike and I were talking about with, with some other folks. And um, so it was kind of like a hot topic for us, but um, the essentially your, so, so most people understand pastors get, uh, what I call regular pay, they get a salary. And then on top of that, they also have the option of having um, housing allowance, which goes, and there's a bunch of categories that can go under that. I actually have a form that I have written out um, that I use at my church that we, you know, I break my pay down and my board affirms it, which is according to the, it, you must, according to the IRS each year, the your board, whoever the governing board is, has to, um, essentially vote for the compensation and how it's broken down. So, so I've done that and um, you can make adjustments to it throughout the year, which I've done. Well, anyway, you have for, for income purposes. So for inc for federal tax and state tax purposes, your, um, your salary is taxed, but your housing allowance or, um, parsonage is not taxed. However, federally taxed, federally taxed. Okay. I'm sorry. I thought it was state as well. Might change state to state. Yeah. I think well, state to state, but yeah. Okay. So that's why I have an accountant <laughs> and then you, and then your housing allowance is taxed for social security taxes, which includes, and most people, if you're not self-employed, you pay FICA which is the, I forget what the acronym stands for, but that's essentially your social security taxes. And then if you're self-employed, which is what you have to report for social security purposes, if you're a pastor, it's very complicated, which is why you need an accountant. Um, your housing allowance is counted. It's very complicated. Find yourself right. an accountant. So, so let's put it this way. Okay. For a pastor, you have your salary. Let's say it's let's say your 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 church can only afford ten grand. You are only paying state and federal taxes on that ten grand. But let's say your church then gives you another twenty grand in housing allowance. That housing allowance does not get taxed federally or statewide, but it does apply to the self employment tax, which is the full both employer and employee Social Security tax minus or ninety two percent. And mm -hmm. that tax goes across the board to both your salary and your housing allowance. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so that would be 0.153 would be your times or 15.3% of your yeah. income, both housing and salary is, is social security taxed. Right. Whereas mo the average employee, they're only paying half the 7.65% out of their paycheck and their employer is paying the other 7.65%. And that also is very important to, to know because for like, <clears throat> for things such as health insurance and other government, um, what do you call them? Programs, uh, 
government helping. programs, they yeah. go off of what your federal income tax is. So uh, as an example, a church might only be able to pay their pastor, you know, they might pay their pastor $50,000 total a year. Now, if you're paying your pastor $50,000 total a year and it's broken, you know, let's say 20,000 of that is housing allowance. Well, right now for um, the standard deduction, I believe is 26,000. So if you take 20,000 off that 50, you have 30,000 total that should be taxed minus your standard deduction, which brings it down to 4,000. So now that pastor who's only making $50,000 a year now has the opportunity to take advantage of the exchange for, for health insurance. So, but if you report everything on a 1099, uh, now they don't get health insurance and health insurance is very expensive. So now you put a pastor in a position where they either have to get a second job f- so that they can get health insurance or their spouse will have to get a second job or, or another job. And if their spouse gets another job, believe me, you're not going to get the flexibility that you're, that you want from your pastor. You're just not going to be able to because their, their spouse is going to have to, um, they're going to have to, you know, focus on making sure they have family time and, and all this, but they're just not going to be able to be as flexible as, as um, some churches might desire either a pastor. So you have to understand that. Um, anyway, this was not a conversation that was supposed to be about all about um, compensation, but it is, it is an important one. Mm-hmm. Um, Honestly, I, I really, I know we have the center for church law and tax, <clears throat> But it would be really helpful if our denomination, state by state, that has pastors and churches, uh, could put together like a contact list of CPAs that would be willing to help Mm. pastors in our denomination and even churches and go around and help instruct them and teach them the right way. If we Mm. could put something like that together, I think would be really helpful because they really, I remember learning about this a little bit in college and slightly in seminary, but they don't talk uh, that type of detail when it comes to church salary. Cause I think a lot of times they expect churches to already have figured it out. Uh, but yeah. that's not, that's not the case. I mean, church, some churches have been doing it wrong thinking they've been doing it right. And because churches generally don't get audited um, that uh, decades and generations have gone by improperly handling pastors uh, salaries. And it's all with the best of intentions. 100%. Right? It's not like, meant like to defraud. It's all- it's it's all with the best of intentions, and and it's not until you get someone who's very scrupulous at these things, uh, who 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 looks at it and go, wait, wait, this doesn't, this isn't right. Um, so yeah, when whenever I hear someone say, oh yeah, I get paid on a ten ninety nine, and they're a pastor, um, I mean, hey, that's f- if you're only if you're only a part-time pastor, you're making ten, fifteen thousand dollars a year. That's probably not a huge deal. However, you're still missing out on the tax benefit because that ten or fifteen thousand dollars a year could be housing allowance, which would mean it's not taxed. Um, uh, you know, because oftentimes the church is is paying you that much money or that little money because they can't afford anything else, right? So, so they want to be able to maximize how much they can pay their pastor anyway. So. These these laws are there for a reason. Use the laws that are there and follow yeah. them appropriately. Yeah. Um, My, the one thing, like I always keep hearing in the news, like uh, Alliance for like Freedom of from Religion or whatever, is always trying to get the ho- clergy housing allowance 
like vilified and shut down because it's not a separation of church and state. And my only request is if you take away the housing allowance from pastors, that you make us regular employees of the church. I would be okay if we if we made that exchange, but if we what do you mean what do you mean by that? So that so that pastors don't have to continue to pay the self employment tax on their entire pay oh, package. Oh 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 yeah. Well, that, that also sense. complicates things, right? So a lot of people don't don't realize that um, what you pay your pastor, um, he or she has to pay um, Social Security all on their own. So like yeah. when you look at your paycheck, when you it's the total is what fifteen percent. So fifteen percent of your paycheck is going to Social Security. Um, you pay half of it, so you only see half. Your employer pays the other half. Um, when it comes to pastors, they pay it all. So you have to look at whatever you're paying your pastor. Um, about fifteen percent of it is going to Social Security, unless unless they're like me who opted out. Um, right. Now I have biblical theological reasons as to why I did, um, and and. I don't like, if you don't come to the same conclusions, that's cool. You have to make that decision on your own. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Luke so, has some time Cause he just got ordained. So he has a year or two before he, in right. you know, decides. see, I didn't realize that you could do it right after when you got ordained. Cause I was starting being paid as I was like credentialed, but not ordained. And so mm -hmm. I may have even missed a second window, but um, yeah, no, every April, June, September, I do it in December rather than January, but you have to pay quarterly your taxes. Mm -hmm. And I usually pay, instead of worrying about it in January, I usually pay in December ahead of time. That's rough. I thought you had, don't you have the choice of either doing it quarterly or, or once a year? Anyway? Oh, uh, maybe I just do it quarterly. That's a smart move. Yeah. All right, dude, let's start talking about discipleship. Enough about depressing taxes. Everybody hates taxes. Um, but again, hey, go f if you have questions, if we've not been our, – our desire in talking about this was not like, hey, we're the experts. It's actually like go talk to the experts. We just want to perk your interest, right. let you know that you could accidentally be um, putting your pastor in a poor financial position and you have no idea. So. Right. And I've learned most of w what it means to have clergy like salary and everything by p hearing people talk about their situations and being like, wait, what? And then going and having to find out for myself mm -hmm. um, that this may or may not be the because uh, even even today, I'm still not quite sure what because uh, it's pretty loose definitions, like what you can file under a housing allowance. Oh yeah. So I, there's, there are loose definitions. So as an example, we, um, we adjusted mine. Um, so I, you know, I, I inherited some, uh, my mother's Roth IRA. Um, so, which is very complicated, but essentially the Roth IRA, I, I inherited something like around $30,000. It wasn't a huge amount of money, although there's a big, amount of money, but essentially money I couldn't touch because it's a, because of the way that's put in there without putting me in a financial bind. So um, essentially because I can't just roll it into an IRA, um, the only thing I can do is withdraw it unless I was within, unless I was at 62. So unless I was at retirement age and I could withdraw it, yeah, um, but I can't 
now because I'm not even close to that age. So essentially, um, the only option I had um, that it, so that it wouldn't impact me negatively was we adjusted my housing allowance so that I could do uh, work to my house, uh, which lowered my taxable income. And then I withdrew the, from the IRA to do the work on the house. Does that make sense? Because the IRA, the withdrawal counts as income. So I had, I spent, man, several weeks talking with financial advisors and CPAs to figure, figure that one out. But um, what's kind of, what, what is in one sense a blessing is also a difficult situation in which I found myself. So yeah. So you can adjust. So, if, so your pastor, you know, you can have one year, maybe they, maybe they're taking 20,000 for, um, for a housing allowance. The next year they could take 30 if they're going to put an addition onto the house or, or do something like that. So that's covered. Um, things like television, television is covered. Internet's covered. Furnishings are covered. Um, Define like television. If, uh, so cable, like cables covered. What would you consider like streaming services? Doesn't matter what I consider. It matters what the IRS considers. Uh, but I, I, and yeah, and I, they're yeah. kind of silent on that. And I think I yeah. read recently something that a desktop consider would be considered housing allowance, but not a laptop because it's portable. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, that's so stupid. Like, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. well, if someone can have cable, why can't they can't they pay out of their housing allowance for like a streaming service? And so those are kind of those gray areas, which aren't yeah. spelled out in the tax code. That and if I remember correctly, I would have to relook at the, at the law, but I want to say like, if you, if you spend $200 a month on, on inviting people over and having dinner with them, that that's also considered housing. So the, and the reason is that part of your job, um, the, the assumption in the law is that you're inviting people into your home. Interesting. So, I hadn't heard yeah. that piece. Yeah. See, so yeah. there's lots of there's lots of gray, undefined areas when it comes to the housing allowance. Mm-hmm. That it would be really helpful if we had some people in the denomination that would be happy to instruct pastors and churches. It'd be, on really, that. It'd be really helpful to just not not have. And, and it's one thing to say, all right, here's church law and tax, a booklet, which is super helpful. But at the same time, someone to ask questions of. Uh, is even more helpful. I would hate to be that person. Oh, I would hate to be that person too, but. Cause you get the same stupid questions all the time. And that's when you develop a frequently asked question sheet. <laughs> <laughs> that's why websites yeah. have those because they're trying to get the stupid, same dumb question over and over again. Yeah. So, and before again, discipleship, just want to reiterate 1099s bad. W-2s, good. 1099s, bad. W-2s, good. Okay. If you want, if you want more answers, you can, you can visit <laughs> your local CPA uh, who specializes in clergy. Specifically, specifically look out somebody who specializes in clergy taxes yes. because, or, or at least has knowledge of it because even yeah. some CPAs don't, function in that realm and and well specifically because it's too complicated exactly yeah yep my my uh my tax person's awesome she's always over she always has like somewhat i always have to file an extension usually because i file because i i wait too long to get them to her but that's not her fault she's busy (laughs) she always does a really good job on my taxes 
she's really nice, really sweet. So, and Nathaniel's um, right in his comment about why these tax laws are are helpful because they do even even the playing field. Uh, because no matter what you want to say, uh, there is inequity and inequality on multiple levels in our country. Mm-hmm. Mike, discipleship. I really wanted Luke to be a part of this conversation. Hopefully he shows up uh, before we're done. But disciple, yeah. I think you asked the question. Uh, you asked the question yeah. um, in our group te- text and we we're talking about it. Um, because you said, hey, what do you guys use for discipleship resources? Like, right. Uh, sounds great. Sounds great to try and disciple someone, but like, do you just, I think the question essentially was, do you just read like chapter by chapter, book by book? Do you, uh, use a curriculum? I don't know what, I mean, what other kinds of things did you include in that? Well, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like when you sit down, whether you've been with somebody for years, like, do you have a thought out process that you want to walk them through that you have developed yourself or that someone else has developed and you're walking through it together, like a study guide? Um, Or, you know, um, do you you just study a book of the Bible together each week? Like I I have a wonderful elder in my my church that disciples a, a young man. And they they basically have been studying the book of John together. Now they're in the book of Ephesians. And a helpful tool that they've been using is John Piper's look at the book stuff. Mm. They'll like they'll like watch that a video or two for that week and then discuss what 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 was in there uh, mm-hmm. together. And so I and so what I'm in one I feel like there may be a wrong way to do it, but I'm not necessarily convinced that there's necessarily a right way to do it. Um, like the wrong way would be to just go and shoot the breeze and not really get to anything significant and helpful. Uh, oh, I, yeah, yeah. I was just trying to think of uh, what the wrong way would be, but yeah, I guess that would probably be the wrong. I think there, I think there's space. There's definitely space for like going out and shooting the breeze. Right. Um, all right. Yeah. But if that's yeah. all you're really doing, just, Hey, let's, if it's just a check-in with no goal in mind, is that really discipleship? Right. Um, and so that's why I, I get the sense that the right, a, a right way to do it is to have those times, but also have a goal in mind for your times together. Like mm-hmm. we, we want to grow in our relationship, mm-hmm. but we also want to grow in our knowledge and trust of the Lord and grow yeah. mature as disciples. And so what are some tools that you may or may not use that are helpful? Because one of the things that I've always found is when you use some canned stuff, like I just looked at some stuff the other day and I'm like, I don't know that I want to sit down with somebody. Like I I think of somebody who may be an immature Christian, but they've, they've been in the church before. I don't want to hand them like a booklet and say, let's go through this together. Like they're brand new Christian. Cause that might even come off as a little bit demeaning. Like, no, I've been a Christian. I just haven't taken my faith seriously. So why are you handing, handing me something like I was just baptized yesterday? Mm-hmm. You know? So, so I wrestle with that type of type of stuff when it comes to some of the canned stuff. Um, it, you know, I, and that could just be me. I think part of that is just you, Mike. Uh, I'm trying to find some other stuff. Um, I think some of it is you. But I think you also hit on some stuff that's important. So, so, like, I don't think that there's anything wrong with going through something that is canned as long as you like it. Right. Um, man, I can't find – oh, here we go. 
I recently moved some of my books around. So I think I think they're oh uh, here's Luke. So what up, Luke? So yeah. so I think I think there's nothing wrong with going so, going through some foundational stuff within the Christian faith. I actually I'm in the middle of of writing um, a curriculum uh, course, whatever you want to call it. But essentially, it's in eight week increments, starting from the foundations of the faith and going going through a whole bunch of other stuff. And I've got the first two completed now, um, and and I've been working with some folks over at ACGC to like format it for me and then like send it back. So. Um, once that's available, I have it in PDF form. Um, and I'll make the PDF available for free. That's not a problem at all. And then we're just going to have, you know, they're, they're essentially going to print the copies and then we're going to pay for the copies, um, as a church. So, uh, that's really helpful to me. Is Eric talking about his beard care protocol? Well, I was just going to mention, like, I feel like the way our pictures are, it's like the, like the different stages of beard. Like you have Eric, <laughs> then me, then you, Luke. Like, <laughs> um, including so, changing of color. <laughs> so, uh, what was I talking? Oh, so so you can use like foundational stuff. Like like I'm and I'm gonna walk people through this because I want them to reaffirm some of the basics of the faith. Right. So, um, I'll actually. Let me see if I have it readily available. No, I don't have it readily available, but um, I, I'd show it to you on the screen. But that that's something that, that I plan on using. But in the past, I've used things like this, Disciplines of a Godly Young Man. Um, and there is a version called Disciplines of a Godly Man. It's written, uh, written by R. Kent Hughes, who's a great pastor. Um, I used these three books. I actually used these about a year ago um, by Joe Thorne. And it's a, it's a trilogy of books that walks through foundational beliefs that we hold as Christians, uh, orthodox beliefs. Uh, it also includes um, like teachings on the sacraments, on elders and deacons, ecclesiology. And then it also talks about community, all kinds of stuff. It's really good, very short reads, easy reads, but also some deep stuff. Um, you could use a catechism. Right, could use the Blessed Hype Catechism, which uh, our own Mike Alex uh, pretty much wrote by himself. Um, you could use your Bible. I mean, Bibles are pretty. You could read a chapter a week or whatever. Um, I just worked on creating this resource and had some help with with Matt Rice's wife format it. Um, Jess Rice, she formatted this for us, and it's called uh, DNA. Oh no, this is the wrong one. <laughs> this one <laughs> DNA groups. And I kind of took the idea of, of what I used at a previous church uh, to pre combined two different ideas from two previous churches and combined them into this, where you could sit down, read the same scriptures together, learn how to read the Bible together. Um, can I just say books, what a glut looks like. Glut. Can I just say what a glut of giftedness you have been endowed with in your church between having a rice and and then a married in rice with such like graphic and marketing skills like dude you were I'm, sitting pretty I mean you know he's the one that brought them there right it's not like he showed up and there were just these people he hired Matt true he did have to he did have to <laughs> that's true that the is Lord true. called them here <laughs> 
the Lord called them here. I was just a vessel. Um, <laughs> but I can't, I can't tell you Eric, how, I mean, how yeah. great a blessing it is to have Matt and his wife, Jess. Really, yeah. really, I hope Jess is listening to this because she's more of a blessing than Matt is. But don't tell Matt I said that. <laughs> Eric, tell us the truth. Tell us the truth. Who called who first? Did Matt call you or did you call Matt? How things like that work stay between, you know, you know, um, but I can tell you the people of our church love Matt. They love Jess. Dude, Um, every, everyone loves Matt. I'm going to be honest, completely honest here. I am to this day still shocked that Matt didn't replace me on the show. I was so sure that was going to (laughs) happen. Matt's too busy doing the real work. (laughs) That's what associates are for. Um, <laughs> Matt was so, hired so Eric could do this more. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. That is not true at all. Um, but uh, no, man, you got to you. I mean, listen, I love doing this stuff, right? Like I love creating resources, um, but I'm not creative as how to outline stuff. Right. So, so I'm blessed with like knowing these people that can do certain things. Uh, so Meredith at, at, at ACGC has done a tremendous job, man. Like every time I ask her to do something like format wise, she's so quick to help and happy to do it. Um, love her, love, love the folks at ACGC. Um, Jess Rice, Matt's wife does a tremendous job for some of our other local church stuff. Um, She's just really good, really skilled, especially like I'll put something in Canva and she'll be like, you're an idiot. Like this is not formatting correctly. Right. And, um, and she'll like reformat. Like I'm so, so I'm good at putting the content in there, but I need someone to rearrange the content so that it makes sense to people. Um, I, I don't understand. I share all. all this. I share all this because I want people to disciple other people. Like, like stop not discipling. Right. Like, like, it's almost like Dwight Schrute, right? Like <laughs> I try, I try not to do, I try to find out what the dumb thing is. And I try not to do that thing. That's what I'm trying. Like the dumb thing is not to disciple people. And I don't mean to shame anyone. Just stop not discipling. Just, just disciple people. Just sit down, have coffee, read your Bibles, pray together, share each other's life, exhort each other. Yeah. So first of all, I don't I don't believe this nonsense about you can't graphic design. I see what you come up with every week, and it's so professionally edited. I cannot imagine you having to ask someone for help. So first of all, I don't believe that. Secondly, secondly, uh, speaking of stop not discipling, I got to tell a story I've told before in this show. There is someone I won't say who present in the show right now, not in the comments, but here live on the screen who told someone else who is also here present live on the screen about a year and nine months ago to stop not discipling. And the second person I mentioned was so affected by that teaching because it was a class that this first person taught that it transformed the way that he does ministry. And I won't, I won't say who exactly these people are, but neither of them is named Mike. <laughs> uh look I, I appreciate the high praise i really do um we gotta we, we have to we, we this is this isn't just the calling on the pastor right so so luke you i exhorted you in the middle of that you weren't the only person present it like i i was commenting to bickford uh yesterday because 
like we're, I'm following closely what's going over, what's going on over in the SBC, uh, the Southern Bachelors Convention, because as I see it, um, oftentimes as the SBC goes, so does the rest of evangelicalism. Just because they're so big, they have the loudest voice. Yeah. And um, but I really appreciate how they've re like rebranded themselves, right? So so they no longer like they emphasize great commission Baptists versus versus Southern Baptist. Um, they're trying to, they're trying to continue the focus on the great commission. Um, I saw this morning cause I was having everything play in the background. Um, th- in the last year, they've planted over 700 churches. Wow. Um, there, there is an emphasis. And I saw this when I was part of Southern Baptist churches to disciple people. And to disciple people to Christ, whether they were in Christ or outside of Christ, but bringing people to the cross of Jesus Christ every single day. And I'm telling you, one of the things in our churches is I don't know that we have that same fervency broadly. We might have patches of it here and there within um, within our churches. If you if your church has been lethargic um, uh, in the mission, then it takes years to get there. Right. And I I think of Hickory Grove. um, We have so many people that are quick to like, Hey, whatever you tell me to do, pastor, I'll go do it. Right. Like I'm just ready. I just need direction, which has been a blessing, but still trying to build a culture of making disciples takes time. It takes steady. It it takes walking in the same direction for a period of time that is going to be exhausting. It's going to be, it's going to come with lots of blood, sweat and tears, but by the work of the Holy spirit, man, our churches can reach our community by simply sitting down with people and sharing Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it on Wednesday nights, man. We're walking through um, our, my my other book, the this one. We're walking through, and I created like a study that goes along with this. And I'm literally just what like answering little tiny questions. Well, hey, what about this? What about that? Helping them craft their 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 um, testimony and and telling them to go ask other people's testimony. One of the things that I charged everyone to do, go find someone who's not a believer in Jesus and ask them what they believe about Jesus. Like, what do they think about Jesus? And then don't say anything. Just ask them and then don't say anything. And the comments that I got from that were astounding. Astounding. There there was something you said in the middle of that excellent monologue that I wanted to really pick out at because it's one of the other things where you've really had an effect on my view of ministry. I remember you and I, Eric, were having a discussion about um, something. I don't, I don't even need to bring up the particular issue, but a particular challenge in ministry. And I was talking about the fact that I felt like I would, I had made some really strong efforts for a few months to change this, this thing and nothing had happened. And I was really discouraged. And you said something on the lines of, yeah, I'm dealing with the same thing. I've been talking about it for about a year. I'm hoping within the next five years that we'll see serious change. And that was just like a total, total mind blower for me of, oh, you mean not everything happens after a few weeks of concerted effort? Uh, and so when when I'm doing this work of discipling these younger people in my church, uh, I've I've had to take a really long-term view of it's not so much that I'm doing this so that in a year they can be these great leaders of the church. It's more like so that in 10 years they can be great leaders of the church. Uh, and that, that that was another real paradigm shift for me of realizing that while it's I, I believe it's true that Jesus could come back 
today, that doesn't mean that we should never think about the, the future 10 and 20 years down the road for our church, or else we're going to end up making only short-term decisions and only making short-term gains. Well, consider this, Luke. If you're the pastor of your church for the next 10 years, I don't know what the, the average stay of a pastor is now in our denomination, but I've heard horror stories of how pastors stay for like 18 months and then it's time to move on. But let's just picture that you're at a place for, let's say, seven to 10 years. Um, when you look backwards in seven to 10 years about what you did in the previous seven to 10 years, what's going to have a greater impact? You sitting down with one to two guys a year and like really pouring into their lives um, or those kinds of institutional changes that you're, that you think are important, that you think are scriptural, that, that are biblical, which mm -hmm. I agree with you on when there could be a guy following you that has a completely different idea. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so the legacy you're going to leave is going to be the gospel impact you had in, in helping someone grow in their relation to Christ in the evangelism that you do there. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. so to me, those are higher priorities. Like I'm a structure guy. Everybody knows that you want me to sit down and hammer out a constitution based on what the Bible, you want me to do all this stuff. Give me a couple weeks. Give me, give me alone time in, in the cigar lounge with copious amounts of coffee and cigars, I will knock it out. I won't sleep till I get it done. However, that's only going to prove as effective as people take it seriously. But it's mm -hmm. so much better for me to be able to sit down for those two weeks with the same individual and talk about Jesus and how mm -hmm. they're, and how like in hear their questions, hear what's going on in their life and, and helping like them see the scriptures and understand what the scriptures have to say. That's mm -hmm. going to have a bigger impact. Now, obviously I missed the first half of the show. I think it was Mike's idea that we, talked we were going to just... Finances. We talked huh? about finances. We talked about oh, finances. We shamed, oh, all we shamed everyone to stop paying their pastors on a 1099 and, and to do <laughs> so on a W-2. So we didn't tell them, we, we didn't tell them, uh, you know, um, we didn't use names except our own. Right, right. So, well, then I was going to ask Mike since it was his idea. Now that we're on this subject, any anything, any particular direction you wanted to go today? No, just just specifically, what do you guys do? Like, what does it look like when you actually have sat down with somebody? You know, in the in the past, I've tried using and I, I hit or miss. Um, Chan and Platt many years ago came out with a book. <clears throat> which I would say the second half of that book is solid. I like it most where they're like recapping what each book of the Bible is about and its main theme. The first mm -hmm. half, I feel like they needed to flip flop it because mm -hmm. the first half comes out real strong in your face. Like if you're not part of a church, are you even a Christian? Yeah. You know, they lay it on pretty, pretty thick and heavy. And I'm like, come on guys, calm down. You're, you're, <laughs> you know, you're, you're kind of hitting people that may not need to be hit right now through this book mm -hmm. and, you know, save that for after you've compelled them with what scripture says right. rather than guilting them. So I would like them to like reformat that and flip flop things a little bit. Uh, but, uh, and, and that's great, but it's also a bit of a daunting task. Mm -hmm. Um, that book is pr pretty thick, uh, but not, not a horrible use. And so I'm just wondering, what you like, not just what's available, but what, what have you found in your own exp experience, uh, to, to use and do? Yeah. Hey, hey, Eric, 
Yeah. How many pages are in that book? Uh, you want me to include the index or not? No, just the part that you're making them read. Uh, let's see. Just like how long it's taking you to answer the question. 549 on the dot. Okay, why don't you give your answer, and then I'll tell the people why you're wrong. Why I'm wrong? Well, what do you think I'm here for? I've been gone for like two weeks. I'm not going to come so, back and then not contradict you. So um, I had I had a guy in my church that's particularly interested in systematic theology. Mm -hmm. um, so we started actually reading one book. I forget what it was. It might have been my book, and I was like, "Yeah, this isn't sufficient enough. Like, this isn't this isn't this isn't heavy enough for you." So I was like, "We're going to read Bavink's like the brand new translation called Wonderful Works of God," and they actually have um, a a study guide for it with like study questions and whatnot, which is really good, really good. So we essentially read one chapter in between each meeting. Meet, uh, you know, essentially when we can, but usually two or three times a month, um, and. Yeah, we sometimes we meet in my office on a Wednesday night. Like one time we we uh, met at my house for a cigar, um, talk about life. Uh, I, like I hear what's going on in his life, he hears what's going on in mine. We pray for each other and, and we study we study this. So yeah, that was actually that was actually a near perfect answer. So I can't contradict you. I think the part of your answer that I really appreciated is that you um, based the study around his interest. So you had someone come to you and say, "I really want to do some systematic theology." So which is literally, which is which is my dream, like, right? Like, like, right. Which is my dream. So yeah. So the thing that I've done, and I'm like I like I said a few minutes ago, I'm still kind of new to this this part of ministry. Um, it was some something I've really only been doing for about a year and a half. But to answer Mike's question, what I've done so far is once I identify someone who is willing. The first time I sit down with them, I ask them, what do you want to study? Uh, and then typically we pick a part of the Bible so or or, or even a subject, right? Uh, so they might pick a certain book or they might say, I really want to learn a lot about this. And then that's, that's what we do until we've exhausted that. Uh, now, I'll admit something here. Because that's been the, the approach I've taken so far, I haven't yet gotten to the point of making long-term plans for um, for their sort of growth and development beyond just the fact that they're showing up on Sunday and showing up to this thing. And I do see, uh, I see growth happening. I see the sort of relationship building Eric's talking about where it's not like when we sit down, the agenda is so fixed that if there's something going on in their lives that they want to talk about that we can't. Um, but, but what I don't have yet is any sort of, a, a sort of a, an approach for a long-term development in terms of where is this going. For now, I've gotten to the stage of identify someone, ask if they're interested. If they say yes, get them to show up, find something that they would care to show up again and study, and then meet with them regularly, uh, learn, grow, talk together, pray together. I have not, however, gotten to the point yet where I'm I'm eventually looking at them and going, hey, this has been great, but what's next for you? Um, and maybe that's just because it's too soon. I mean, I know, uh, I know that this isn't written in stone, but I know the model Jesus gave us is that he he worked with people three years, 
before he sent them out. Uh, well, I guess technically in Luke 9 and 10, he sent them out a little earlier than that, didn't he? So I don't know. I, d I don't know what sort of the next step for me is, but in terms of what it is that I actually do, usually I ask them what they want to study, and then whatever their answer is, we go to the Bible until we've, we've exhausted that. That's really hard when you don't read. I read my Bible. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I always kind of have built into the whole thing. Like, uh, at the end of this, you need to be doing this with somebody else. Like, like mm. you need to go, you need to go do the same thing that I just did. I just modeled for you what you should do for somebody else. Mm. That's it. See, that's, and, uh, that's the part that I don't do. I don't, I've, I, I've started making disciples, but I've not yet started making disciple makers. And that's that that that's what it sounds like you're talking about, Eric. Yeah, Eric, have Great you had commission? Have you, we should change our name just like the SBC did. We should change our name from Advent Christians to Great Commission Adventists. So, so Eric, have you have you been seeing some success in your ministry and having someone you've done this with go out and then reproduce and do it? Yeah, who did you watch do this for the? I, I'm curious. I've never asked you that. I didn't watch anybody do this. So how'd you learn how to do it? By doing it. Like, it's, like I don't. He was like the prophet Muhammad and the <laughs> angel Gabriel showed up in, in some just, room with him and like, told him, this is what you uh, need to do. Like, like, <laughs> like some things just like to me, they look, they look natural, right? Like, so to me, I look at you, give me a problem. There are certain things in life that you give me a problem and I go, oh, this is the fix. Um, so as an example, um, like, uh, like you had, Luke, I think you had talked about how, wasn't there a bar that got built right next to your church? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Right. So like my first thought was, well, dude, I'm, I'm bringing my phone number. I'm giving like the church phone number. We're going to have a phone tree and like, we're going to have someone on call to, to give drunk, uh, drunk people rides home. Like to me, that is a great service ministry. That is a way that now you have someone locked in your vehicle for like 10 to 20 minutes to give them a ride home so that they don't drive drunk and you get to say whatever you want to them. Um, you get to have a conversation with them. You get to, I mean, this is a, a perfect ministry opportunity. I was sharing with my secretary. I was like, because uh, I shared that as a for instance about stuff. And I told her, I said, man, what a blessing it would be if like, and I don't know if there's any uh, strip clubs around in Johnson County. I, I just don't know. I don't go, I don't frequent those kinds of places. But like, if there was going to be one built, I'd want it to be across the street. And now, because we have the opportunity to minister to those people, you know what I mean? Like we could, we could talk to management to see how we can, you know, care for these women, you know, um, ha have our own women go in there and like serve them meals, give them dinner, like get to like, get to know that stuff. Um, my wife says criminal minds and crime junkies should, <laughs> essentially should teach me better than to do things. Like Listen, we're called to die. Right. We're called to live a life dead to self. If that means we put ourselves in positions, I'm not saying don't be like, don't be careful. You should be, but we should still um, put ourselves in a position that maybe it's a little risky I'm telling you. Does North Carolina require you to have a permit to carry concealed? Uh, concealed? Yes, but open carry. No. Yeah. 
Maine, Maine a couple years ago did away with any permit to conceal. So Praise just be to God. <laughs> Mark, my, Mark, listen, my take on that, my take on the Second Amendment is very, very out there. So I, I think you should be able to have any weapon um, that the government has, because the whole purpose of the Second Amendment is to protect the people from the government. So, so you think you think you should have a nuclear bomb? Uh, I think I think that if the government has one, then you should be able to have one in theory. I don't think it's wise. I don't think I don't think the government should have nuclear weapons. I so. I, I, I can't believe we live in an era where Eric would have to qualify uh, uh, the statement like that with out there. In it, it's the the express purpose of the Second Amendment is to defend against government tyranny. That's right. what the, the the constitutional writers wrote in the document that explains why they wrote it right. so so no it's not out there that's actually the express purpose of the amendment mark yeah, Wilson it's, like, it's like it's like the person that says like well when they wrote it they you know they they had muskets then well yeah because that's what the, the government also had people could own cannons if they wanted to because the government also guess what checks notes had cannons <laughs> as well <laughs> so that's a terrible argument all um, right we're, we're, we're we, i think it is completely unwise do not go out get get and get nuclear weapons that's a stupid idea but it's also stupid for any 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 government to have nuclear weapons i uh i think we've now offended all of our muslim listeners and all of our listeners from north of the mason dixon so let's deal with mark wolfington's comments should i've said joseph smith instead of uh <laughs> Prophet Muhammad. It depends. How much do you value your life? Uh, <laughs> Mark says the biggest. Uh, Ellen White. I'm sorry. Ellen, <laughs> Ellen White visited him in a dream. Well, I mean, we could, we could, uh, oh, never mind. Let's not do that. Okay. Mark says the biggest difference between ministry on the church and on a college campus is I have at most 3.5 years with students. Anything I hope to impart to them has to be done in that time because they graduate and move on. And in the church, there are a few people who I've wished would move on. <laughs> I want to. I want to remark on um, the first half of that. The second part is really funny uh, and, and true. But but the first part I think is really telling because when Mark talks about having this limited time with these students, I wonder if sometimes what keeps us from doing the hard work of discipleship is the fear that they might not stick around. Like I think of I think of the way that the pastors at the church in Gurney, where I was before I came here, the way that they poured into and invested in and taught me, and I was there for three years and then I left. And I didn't I didn't go to a sister church. I didn't stay within the denom denomination. I moved across the country to a completely different church. And the crazy thing was, um, I actually told that senior pastor not just when I had gotten another job, but when I started looking just because I, I had an, a good enough relationship with him. I didn't, I didn't, I wanted him to know. And he walked me through, helped walk me through even the process of searching and applying. Um, and so one of two things was happening. Either he secretly wanted, really wanted me gone. And that was, Which that was is the most that. likely scenario. Or, or um, he understood, he understands he's serving a big K kingdom and a big C church. And so he knew that that investment was not going to waste, even if he wasn't going to be able to receive all the fruits of it. And so that that's one thing I've had to, I've actually talked to Eric about this before on the show. One of the things that's hard about trying to minister to young men um, is sometimes they're kind of flaky 
And so there have been there have been attempts that I've made to disciple a young man and it'll happen for a little while and then he'll just sort of fall off the map. And if that happens, I can either say, well, that was a waste of time. Why should why do I bother with this? Or I accept that 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 particular one didn't go the way I hoped. So now I have more time to try again. Well, 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 right. Because the, the reality is while we do want to care about the product, you know, mm -hmm. that it comes out, so to speak, but really that's outside of our control. You know, that that's where, you know, Paul talks about, you know, I water, I, you know, Paul's planted, I watered and God gives the growth type of thing. Mm -hmm. You're just, you're just cast, you're just sowing your seed wherever you need to. Um, and hopefully the Lord will bring up fruit, but you don't know what kind of soil it's being thrown on. Mm -hmm. So you kind of just have to walk in faith that the Lord's going to use your, your efforts according to his wisdom and glory. And sometimes that's really painful when we really pour ourselves out and people, their hearts just are, are I feel, guided by a different thing. I feel like if this is where if I really wanted to cause trouble, I would start talking about free will, but I won't do that today. Uh, Luke, Luke there, there was something that you, that you mentioned that I really want to reiterate. Like mm -hmm. you were talking about how your pastor was um, helping you through this whole process. These people poured into you for three years. Mm -hmm. um, and I served at a church for three years as well, where people poured into me and, and I had so many opportunities to stumble and, and grow and learn. And then, I mean, a lot of them took great pride. They were sad to see me go and I was sad to leave, but took great pride when I came here to Hickory Grove. And then they were able to look over the span of their lifetime as a church and see how many pastors they had sent out. Mm -hmm. I mean, Oak Hill Bible Church has sent out tons of pastors, man, mm -hmm. tons. Um, your dad was one of them. Uh, Kenny Lattimore is one of them. Um, you know, Glenn Rice now, who's the pastor there, sent his three sons, <laughs> who at least spent some, ta some time at Oak Hill. Um, it's funny because the church I'm serving at now, their last three pastors, including me, have served at Oak Hill at one point in time. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's fascinating. But there's this sense of sending. And I think that when we look at the New Testament, if we want to measure, if we want to be as reductionist as possible and say, what, what item of measurement can we see and evaluate the faithfulness of a church? It's not by how many people gather on Sunday morning. It's how many people that church, church raises up and sends out. Hmm. It's not how many people stay. It's how many people go. Yeah. And, and if no one's going in your church, um, whether that's sending them to other churches or even just going into their community to share the gospel, if no one's sharing the gospel in your church, your church is not being faithful. Hmm. Period. I mean, there's no like that's there's no equivocating on that. You have to share the gospel in your community. It is not a have to. It is a joy. It is a it is a calling. You have the opportunity to partner with God in seeing his kingdom come. Mm -hmm. What could, what's a better calling than that? Hmm. I can't, I, I got nothing to add to that. That's an exclamation point for me. It's going to straight fire, man. <laughs> Mike, why, why don't you wrap a, put a bow on this thing? Dude, you just showed up and you already want to, <laughs> I don't you know. You want to quit? No, I don't have to. I don't Luke have to is anywhere. the least. The Luke, Luke doesn't do anything, man. He's like the least. 
Hey, oh. I, I, it's almost two o'clock. I thought the show was over. We can keep you mean, going. You either show up for 15 minutes or you show up with 15 minutes left. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, Hey, if you have, if you have material that you, that you like to use for, um, for discipleship, we'd love to see it in the comments. Um, there's a lot of good stuff out there in the, in and we have a, an embarrassment of resource, resources, and some things will work well in your context. Sometimes these resources won't work well in others. The stuff that I've produced, I've tried to make it as adaptable to any context as possible. But even when you do that, it's not gonna it's not gonna fit um, everywhere. So um, I'll post that stuff. Uh, Tom and I will figure out whether or not to post it on the ACV website, or maybe we'll just post it on Facebook. And um, but there's other stuff out there that you can use. So. And when in, when in, when in doubt, if you can't find anything else, you can always just, you know, read the Bible, read the Bible. Yeah. No doubt. And I, yeah. I said that a couple of weeks ago in our, so I, like I said, on Wednesday nights, we're going through this ghost study, literally just sit there and be like, Hey, if you don't know what to, what to walk through with someone, just read the Bible verse by verse. That's all you're going to do. Hmm. All right. Well, we're, I'm going to read Pama's comment, and then we're either going to end the show or we, or we won't. We'll see. When we were in Fayetteville, oh, I tried, I, I tried to, I tried to end it, and you guys got real. We know you offended, tried to end so. it, but the, yeah, we got offended because you've hardly done any work today. It's two o'clock. I thought the show ended at two. My goodness. When we were in Fayetteville, a very transient church with the uh, Fort Bragg nearby, there were some devastated when many moved on. We always told them we felt these folks were an extension of ours and the church's ministry wherever the folks went. Yeah, that, that's a great point is uh, uh, Mark talked about ministering to college students. But what about churches in military towns? Right. I feel I'm either having deja vu or we've talked about this before. Oh, no, we like, have. But Palma, I mean, Palma's spot on. I mean, that's the her way, you know, how she's looking at it is the perfect way to look at it mm -hmm. as someone who who came who like really came to a church in a military town. Like you have people like some will retire there down at Fayetteville because of Fort Bragg. Fort Bragg is the center of the army universe. If we only have one church in one military town, um, forget Augusta. It should be Fayetteville. Fayetteville is the center of the universe. Um, I know that because I was in the army and I was a paratrooper. Um, Fayetteville is, is one of the most important, if not the most important place in the army. Um, outside of potentially the Pentagon, so so what we're doing there needs to be needs to be done well, and we have to see that these people are going to come through, be able to train them, and then send them out because they're going somewhere. All true, Eric. You should read the private uh, the, the private chat. I just while, I just did I just did yeah. But while but while you're doing that, uh, people out there in the the inter verse whatever we call you know the, the people in the chat uh thank you to you for always being here to watch listen wait, participate wait, i've hold on hold on <laughs> i want to hear what Ma palma has to say oh this is a, this is an important thing Luke. um stop trying thought, to have a conversation i thought it was over i well palma's still commenting and it's really good comment so yes um you know she had said that um one of the churches has closed and the other is failing uh, we need to figure out. I'm passionate about this. 
Palma, send me the deets. I want to know what's going on. I want to see how we can help out this church in Fayetteville. This is a place that's near and dear to my heart, not because I was stationed there, because I wasn't. I was actually stationed in Augusta, Georgia, where we have two or three Advent Christian churches. But I know from from all the folks that I know that are still in the army, that have passed through. That is a place that the gospel needs to be proclaimed. I don't care if there's one church or a thousand churches. We need more churches there reaching our men and women in uniform. Um, if we are truly as patriotic and care about our country as much as we, we say we do, let's, let's allow our hands and feet to match our mouth. Right. And, and I think we speak a lot about patriotism, but here we have one of the most important uh, military installations in our country. And we're just like, eh, whatevs. Let's do what we can to help these guys out as Advent Christians. Right. Like whatever that is. Well, yeah, it's, I just checked out their Facebook page and no one's posted anything since 2017. Well, if it didn't happen on Facebook, did it really happen at all? No. Well, no. One's not, well no. I mean, one. One sign of a of a of a church that is engaging its community is you can tell by their website in in their Facebook. If a if a church doesn't have a Facebook and it doesn't have a website, I mean they're probably, oof, you know. So, sorry to all of our Amish listeners. Geez, Eric, have a little sensitivity. <laughs> Dude, that's the most asinine thing. That makes that makes about as much sense as the person who says, "Yeah, go." That was big when you had muskets. That's why. <laughs> well, Mark says, "Check out God's Word for Warriors, a ministry to veterans that is excellent." Thank you, Mark. Praise the Lord. Palma mm-hmm. says, "Finding a pastor is the biggest issue right now." I'm assuming. What do you mean it's the biggest I, issue I, right now? Let's send Luke. No, she's talking. About, she's talking about Fayetteville, not your church. I know, no, I know, I know. I was just teasing her. <laughs> oh, uh, I signed Luke up for that one. I'll give you all the help you need. You're gonna um, send me to Fayetteville, huh? <laughs> you know what would be funny if I went to Fayetteville? That'd be the second church that I followed Ed Neal as pastor. Hey, there's worse people. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll be Ed Neal's uh, successor for the rest of my career if I can. Well, I've kind of followed your dad twice, right? So, like, your dad, yeah. the associate pastor at, at, at um, <laughs> Paul, that we can send? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, Paul, my love. <laughs> I bet, I bet, I bet when they have, uh, when they have my vote of confidence in a few months, they won't vote me out. They're just gonna, they're just gonna give a glowing recommendation to the person say it, Bill. A vote of, tra- a vote of transfer. <laughs> hey, Luke, just think if you came, if you came and pastor in Fayetteville, we could shoot these shows uh, in person, dude. Where we need we need to talk after this show because you just you you reminded me of something, an idea that's been. Not Fayetteville. I'm not an idea to become a pastor in Fayetteville. Let me be clear. No. My goodness, no. You, you are risking my, your job right My answer now. is no. I'm very happy being here. But but something you just said mm-hmm. inspired a, a thing. <laughs> uh, my, my, my answer is no. I'm very, very happy here. Uh, can confirm, by the way, because uh, we when when we got to hang out with you, your family and my family, uh, you and Linz talked nothing about like how much you love uh, the church that you're at and how much they love you. So praise the Lord for that. Now, now, Eric, I will tell you, uh, you know, there's nine Evan Christian churches in Lenore. Likely one of them is going to open up a position anytime soon. Uh, so why do I have to be the one to move? <laughs> Brother, my my. 
our roots have have settled here deeply. <laughs> um, so so yeah, I don't see that. I barring anything unforeseen. What um, I we're sitting out here for the long haul. The okay, Lord so, has called me to be here. So, in so walk me through this, Luke. How what's the population of Lenore? Lenore, uh, I think it's about fifteen thousand. And there's nine Advent Christian churches. Correct. Okay. Wait, how many people? 15,000 people, nine Advent Christian churches. Per capita, we're by far the densest Advent Christian place in the world. It's not even close. Man, you have more churches in Lenore than there are mosques in Mecca. Dog, I'm telling you. This is this is the Mecca of Advent Christianity. I know. I know. Right, so, so where I am, Waterville has 16,000. 500 so so according to 2019 so and we only have one advent christian church sounds like we need to sacrifice a church in uh, a pastor in lenore and send but, them but no the, this this yeah. says something to me about where you guys are in terms of christendom okay i am in 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 maine which you know new england's a tough tough road but we're always talking about Advent Christendom being struggling right now, and yet it seems to be well and strong in the Bible Belt. <laughs> mm, I, I said there were nine Advent Christian churches. I didn't tell you how many people were attending them. Uh, <laughs> promises, does Mike hot, like hot weather? I assume she's still trying to replace me, apparently with you. <laughs> I don't mind hot weather. I'm afraid of, uh, well, not necessarily me, but there's concern over hurricanes and snakes. Those are real concerns. Yep. Those Especially rattlesnakes. Oh, yeah. Karen also just said, we have two Evan Christian campgrounds. Dude, I'm, I really am in the, in the Evan Christian Mecca. I, I really am. I can't, I can't think of anywhere else in, in the world where it's a better place to be an Evan Christian than that, here. And, and Karen is, is true. We do have two Evan Christian campgrounds, and, and Waterville historically has supported one of those exceptionally deeply. <laughs> and I will, that's all I will say about that. About. Paul said Fayetteville is one of the hottest places in North Carolina. <laughs> like symb symbolically or like temperature wise? <laughs> well, it's funny. <laughs> so wow, the there's a lot of good looking people down there. <laughs> <laughs> so Camp Dixie is, is just outside of, it's on the outskirts of Fayetteville, right? And my kids are at Camp Dixie this week. So we have no kids this week. It's awesome. It's nice to have a little bit of Could be both if Luke moved down there. <laughs> yeah, I, I assure you it's not both. <laughs> so so my so my wife and then Matt Rice's wife, Jess, went down there, went down with them to go drop the kids off. And they were gonna go get something to eat somewhere, right? And they didn't realize till this past Sunday, the day they were gonna drop the kids off, like there are places in Fayetteville you do not go. In the army, Fayetteville is known as Fayetteville, um, because there are like there are times where you're more likely to get shot in Fayetteville than you are in Iraq. Uh, this, so you need to be careful. You know, uh, at the be at the beginning of this conversation, I really, I really, sincerely didn't want to go pastor in Fayetteville. But the more we talk about it, the more it sounds like a really great idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the thing is, like to me, I look at that and go, I. That's where we need to send church planners. Those are the places that we need to spend uh, um, resources as far as people and dollars. Um, all right. All right. Fine. You've convinced me. Mike, when are you starting in Fayetteville? 
<laughs> we just planted a church here on the <laughs> I'm not a church planter. <laughs> um anyway. Anyway, that was a good conversation. Thank you so much, Palma, for, for your insight. Um, it, I mean, Fayetteville and, and planting churches are things that I'm passionate about. Love to see how we can help make some of that stuff happen. But um, we'll see in the Lord's timing for sure. Um, so. so so do I Do I get to end the show now? Because I've, I've tried, and then both times I got, uh, you know, sh- shot against the wall. I would like to. I would like to hear. Um, hear. What, does Mike disagree with my take on guns? I'm, I'm into on the Second Amendment. I don't disagree. No, I honestly I don't because I think you're right. I think there's a there's a difference between that a go, that you should be able to, but is it wise? Have the same one of us. One of us. So, am I am I as us. am I as impassioned about it as you guys are? No. So if you're if you're gonna be if you're gonna be a serious um, uh, originalist uh, when it comes to the Constitution, then I think I think the rule the Second Amendment applies to arms that you can bear. I have no clue how you would bear a nuclear warhead. So I would say that the Second Amendment applies to any weapon that you can bear. That, it does not apply to weapons that you can't. That is so. That is such a stupid argument. That's the consistent way to interpret the law if you claim oh, to be an originalist. Oh, no, 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 no. Anyway, I did read an article probably about six months ago about the the – um, originalism and how it relates to Christian fundamentalism and how there's a how there's a correlation between the two. Correct. That's why uh, Christian fundamentalists and originalists are the only ones we should take seriously. Okay, Doug Wills, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna start baptizing babies and have them choke on communion. Oh, Luke, that actually hurt me so deeply <laughs> <laughs> because. There's so much wrong in that statement. <laughs> you know what? Actually, we don't have to do this today, but eventually we need to talk about our definitions of fundamentalism because there have been several little sort of passing remarks over the past couple of months that have made me realize I define fundamentalism fundamentally differently than you guys do. You're probably right. You're, you're probably mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I don't think that that's the right way to read the read that, but even but I, I would I would say on a, the the right to bear arms I agree with. Now whether or not I would actually bear an arm and shoot somebody uh, in self defense, depending on the context, I would wrestle with that a bit more. Yeah, well, a rights a rights not a requirement. The fact that you have the right. right to free speech doesn't mean that you're required to talk. Most people shouldn't. It's just that they can. Right. right. Well, I and, and I agree, like, just because you have the right to bear arms, like, but let's also not try to shoot people, right? right. Like, like, the people right. that I'm afraid of having a gun are the people who are like, man, and I knew people like this. Man, I can't wait until someone breaks into my house, man. And I'm going to, you know, boom, boom, boom. And it's like, dude, that is the wrong mentality to have. In bearing arms. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's funny. I went through a handgun safety course, and the the guy said, "Now, for those of you who think you're in this and you're going to just shoot to wound," and they told this like awful story about someone who didn't die from a home invasion, 
and the person that you know shot them was sued even though they were wrongfully in their home and they're like so the reality is you probably want to shoot to kill so they can't come back and bring a, a lawsuit against you and i'm like oh okay that's interesting but no the the reality is i, I kind of put the right to bear arms on a lower tier like i've kind of tiered out what the freedoms are that i think are most important and probably the right to bear arms is probably on three or four. Oh, I, Mikey, come on, man. I find, I, I would say the, you know, freedom of speech and, and religion are one and two for me. In, ter in terms, in terms of value to the society, you're right. The problem is that all the other rights depend on the second without, without the right to bear arms. None of, none of, none of the other rights will, will be around for much longer. Now you brought up something a moment ago that I think I do want to emphasize for a second because it's related to your remarks earlier about nuclear weapons. I think one of the fundamental misunderstandings about weapons is that their primary power is not in their use, but in their deterrence. So what makes having a gun great is not that you can fire it, it's that the, the bad guys know you have one. This is why I think uh, all countries should have nuclear weapons. In fact, not only can they get one, we should as a favor to the world, distribute them to, to each of the countries, because I'm telling you, as soon as everyone has one, we'll see far fewer global, far less global conflict. I I do. I hope you're kidding, because if you're not, I like I'm I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine yeah. with there being a few exceptions. If 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 it's written into your constitution that your whole goal is to destroy so and so, such and such, we don't have to get into the particular details. But you guys look, know who I'm talking look, about. You have had some particularly. An exceptionally important <laughs> show. This one might set above the rest, and we haven't even gotten to the most controversial of all those views. How, how many nuclear weapons? How many nuclear weapons have been used in the past eighty years? Luke. How many? Luke. Luke. <laughs> Answer the question. Luke. I I listen. How much experience do you have working with uh, people in the Middle East? Working with them? Yes. Like is in our, the country. Is Armenia considered? Oh, in the country? Okay. Zero. None. Okay. I can tell you, as a former intelligence analyst, these are not the. No. No. That, that, no. That, that's fine. Exclude, exclude those, those dozen countries and just distribute them to everyone else. Such a bad take. Luke, go home, take a nap. Like, this is what we need to do. We need to put you in, we need to put you on vacation. Can we put you on vacation? I know I was I was on vacation. I'm going on vacation in, in a week and a half. Uh my only point was I was I was I was being I was being a little bit facetious when I talked about distributing them. My point okay. still stands that the power I take back. I take back what I no, said. No, 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 no. It's fine. Uh, even if I was being facetious, it was it was still an over the top remark. My point is that the power of weapons is in their ability as deterrence, not not their ability to destroy or harm. Yes, on a worldly standard, correct? Uh, on any on any given level. So, the, so, so even a biblical standard, the power is in whoever has the most ability to destroy and conduct violence. No, no, no. I, I, I think that's a different, that's a different question. Okay. To, so, so you're talking worldly level. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. when it comes, when it comes to the ways of the world, the power of a weapon, if you understand it rightly, is in it's an ability to keep your, your enemy from hurting you, not your ability to hurt your enemy. 
Have you consider consider Have you ever heard of the depravity of man? It's my depravity. It's my belief in the depravity of man that makes me such a firm defender of the right to bear arms because you can't trust your neighbor not to hurt you. Okay, we're gonna go in the Bible real quick. Okay, I'm gonna Bible you for a second. All right, Deuteronomy 17. Mm -hmm. Deuteronomy 17. Verses 15 through 20. I actually, I old, heard, co old covenant, not valid for today. I, Sorry. <laughs> I heard, I heard the great, the great D.A. Carson preach a sermon on this, and it, and it, and it, and it has helped me immensely. So this is, I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Um, you are to appoint over you the king. Uh, the Lord your God chooses. Appoint a king from your brothers. You are not to set a foreigner over you or one who is not of your people. And this is the good part. However, he must not acquire many horses for himself or send the people back to Egypt to acquire many horses. For the Lord has told you, you are never to go back that way again. He must not acquire many wives for himself so that his heart won't go astray. He must not acquire very large amounts of silver and gold for himself. When he is seated in, on his royal throne, he is to write a copy of his instruction for himself on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests. It is to remain with him, and he is to read them in all the days of his life, so that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to observe all the words of his instruction, and to do these statutes. Then... His heart will not be exalted over his countrymen. He will not turn from this command to the right or the left. And he and his sons will continue reigning many years in Israel. And that is the word of the Lord. Amen, amen, and amen. You can look there. You can see in that passage that a king, to have a king means you have some kind of government over the people. The king, a righteous king in a theocracy, such as the, we don't live in a theocracy, but the principle still applies, I think, today um, in light of what we just talked about. So then wait, which part of that? Hold on. Hold on. I'm trying to oh, tell sorry. you not sorry. to acquire many horses. Why did they need horses back in the day? to move their troops, to have many chariots. It was for war, to not accumulate too much gold, too much silver. It was to not accumulate too much wealth, to not accumulate many wives that they would not be led astray. Guys, guys, this deterrent, although it sounds good and has much worldly wisdom, and as a former soldier, like I appreciate some of the things that we've had to do as a country, um, the word of God seems clear to me that we need to be careful to obey what God has said in acquiring too many weapons, too much money, and to acquire many wives. Let's not do those three things because what happens? Well, I'm actually preaching on it this Sunday, which is why I, I had it readily available. I don't know. <laughs> it's not because I'm that smart. But in 2 Samuel chapter 24, it's the last chapter in, in, in 2 Samuel. We have David who sins against the Lord by taking a census. That's not to mean that censuses are bad because in other places, God has the king take a census. It's because David does so to puff himself up to see what he has accumulated as king. That's at the heart of it.
And I think that at times when we have these conversations, um, we can enjoy the guns that we have and the military capabilities, but we have to understand that we might have the most advanced, the most lethal um, military in the world as a country. But if we are guided by the word of God as Christians, we have to understand that our government could absolutely be corrupted because of all the many blessings that they have received. So we mm -hmm. need to keep that in mind. No, you, you make an excellent point. When we talk about weapons as deterrence, that should not mean that the more we have, the better. I think history has shown quite the opposite. Uh, I'm going to church, man. We got to. We're going to have to end the show before I respond to Mark Wolfington's comment, because if you thought that my last take was bad, my next one's going to be worse. So we might I've tried to end the show a few different times. I'm warning you, we need to end the show. All right. Mark Wolfington says the United States was attacked, still attacked on 9-11. So our nukes were not a deterrent in that case. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not so convinced that that the the the. the the difficulties we have faced in the Middle East over the past 40 years have had nothing at all to do with our interventionism in that part of the world. That's all I'll say. I don't think that's an issue of we didn't have enough deterrence. I think if you, uh, I think if you, stick, I think if you, I think if you stick your hand in a snake pit, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be uh, uh, shocked that you get bit, which does not justify terrible things that have happened. But, uh, but um, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm, you know who has Luke, who has benefited the most from the wars, uh, the global war on terrorism? Uh, the the weapon making companies. Nope. Tony Stark. Nope. <laughs> nope. Okay. Are you going to say the people of the Middle East? Nope. Toby Keith. <laughs> <laughs> No one has profited more than Toby Keith, personally, professionally, or economically, than Toby Keith. Um, I, that's the story. I'm sticking to it. He would do shows downrange, and everybody that I ever that I ever met in in the army that like went to a Toby Keith show when we we're downrange, they'd come back and be like, "Oh, I met Toby Keith. He's a you know what? It was not a. It, it was just like he was." Everybody had this understanding that Toby Keith was using them to make money. Um, mm -hmm. so I've, uh, I'm, I'm about as anti-Toby Keith as possible. I mean, did you want to try to stuff any more terrible hot takes into the show? Because we could. How is we that could... a hot? Whoa, 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 whoa! How is that terrible? Tell no, me no, not, not, not yours. Uh, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think you're you marching Toby Keith I, for it. Here's, here, let's put a pause on the terrible hot takes and. And uh, Luke, we will take one of our mini sods and just let you vomit as many bad takes that you want for an entire no, half an hour. No, no, no. That's, that's a terrible idea. No, if, I were to, if I were to do that, if I were to do that, there's no, there's no way I would still be employed here next year. No chance. Yeah. So Mark Wolfington, who, uh, excuse me, Doctor Mark Wolfington, um. Yep, he agrees with me. So we know it's mm -hmm. right. Yeah. So, so uh, let me close with this story, okay? Is it a Toby so, Keith story? It, it kind of. Oh yeah. <laughs> so th this was in in college. I was I went to Nyack College, and my my first semester, 
was 2002. So relative, it was half an hour outside New York World Trade Centers and everything. And so, can I just can I just ask a question real quick? Yeah. Um. So so you were in college. 9/11 mm-hmm. happens. I was at Bix when 9/11 happens. Yes. And you decided not to join the military, even though you're a military age male. I do not like running and physical activity. You, sir. I am a wuss. I am is a it? lazy piece of crap. You Hold are on. correct. Hold on. That was that was not a question. I already <laughs> said he had a question. It was a judgment. It was a judgment. <laughs> you, 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 there, uh, to Eric, in all honesty, there's rarely a day that goes by that I do not regret having not joined the military. Oh, well now I feel bad. You, you no, should I, feel bad you, now, but like I, I, that was a missed opportunity there. So thanks for bringing mm-hmm. it out into the open. Everybody. I am sorry. I, I, I did not exert myself or have ever exerted myself to do something uncomfortable. Eric called me out in front of all of you. I should have joined the military in honor of my country <laughs> and the attack that we faced, but instead I decided to stay. I, Mike, the, I, I dodged the unspoken draft of 9-11. For, so. for, the, for, the record, for the record, I think you choosing not to do that was one of the best decisions you've ever made in your life. But go on with your story. But anyway, so so I can't remember what semester this was, but I was in a youth ministry class, and or, or I forget what the class was, but uh, the professor had us bring in songs that we, we really identified with and loved. And so a friend, friend of mine, classmate of mine, knew that there was this rather liberal girl in the class that just did not agree <laughs> with him on anything. And she was more like on the side of like, you know, we need to not intervene. We, you know, you know, it would have been early, like before woke was a term, she probably would have been labeled as woke. I mean, she gave me a hard time because I was really hard up for a job for applying at Old Navy because they use sweatshop to make their clothes and and i was like i need a job i'm sorry i i i that does listen, break my heart but i need a job listen and to he, that white privilege talk i know i right? need a job my goodness. hey white privilege didn't exist in the early 2000s um i'm just kidding yes it does uh but anyway um so he decided to bring into class and have us all listen to that toby keith song <laughs> Wait, all, which one? the one that mark quoted just <laughs> <laughs> just quoted <laughs> all just to get under the skin of this one chi- this one girl i appreciate the pettiness man i appreciate <laughs> the pettiness i love it like he pl- he played that up so hard i i loved and hated it all at the same time um but awesome. anyway yeah. let me let me clarify I will, occasionally, I will on occasion i will on occasion listen to a toby keith song and then I vomit afterwards. <laughs> uh, let me clarify one thing, because there was something I said earlier that might have, could be misconstrued the wrong way. The reason that if I were to spew all my hot takes, I, I might not continue to be employed is not because I would say terrible things about the church, at which I'm employed, which I love very much. Uh, it's because if you haven't figured it out yet, my political views are completely unacceptable in the current culture, which is why I tend not to uh, I tend not to share them openly. Uh, both liberal and conservative culture. Correct. No, there's no there's no home for me. I'm I'm hopeless. Well, that's, and that's one of the problems that many many of our churches face is that many come to the church that they politically identify with rather than a community that they identify with on matters of first importance. So they've exchanged matters of first importance with matters of second importance. Um, so that, that is not saying that that's your church or my church. That's just, just generally what we're seeing in greater evangelicalism. Uh, I'll say this. I'll say this. I will not agree to just spew every hot take I've ever had. But one of our special mini-sodes this summer, it is going to be about Lincoln. 
And anyone who wants to hear that can. Well, as we as we close out, it is important for people to understand we do have, you know, we have important roles as pastors and in our first commitment is to our families, um, to our Lord Jesus Christ and to our local churches. And we don't want to mix up our political positions or our historical hot takes with mm -hmm. those of what maybe our church might identify with. So we want it. We like to share like some of our crazy view, what people might think are crazy views, but we want to also toe the line so that we don't step over it either. So out there, um, Luke's not a terrible guy that I know of. So the hot takes that he's talking about, I know many of them. Some of them make me cringe, but, um, but I don't think they're worth getting fired over. And for the record, I don't think I would actually be fired. My church is a lot more gracious than that. But also for the record, if we ever do cross that line, when, when I, for example, make a joke about handing out nuclear weapons like candy, um, I appreciate having guys here who will call me out. And I know, too, we have listeners who will uh, message us and let us know. So whenever I cross the line, I'll submit to correction. And if that should happen in this case, then I'll, I'll uh, eat crow. All right, guys. Jim fun. Crow. <laughs> Eric, I was so sure that I that I was going to be the problem child on this show. I think it's mine. <laughs> Listen, buddy, you called me out a few weeks ago when I wasn't there that I was more more <laughs> subdued in person than I am in the comments. He made fun of Muhammad. <laughs> He brought up Jim Crow. <laughs> but that, that one was a targeted one at you, buddy. Thank you. you know what, Mike, I'm so glad you're here. My my little uh, uh my, my little off-color joke earlier just seems so much better now. <laughs> wow. I we might have to put both of you on suspension for next week. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, Eric, Eric will be hosting the show next week. Mike and I will see you whenever we get out of the doghouse. Have a great afternoon. Uh, God bless you guys. We love you. <laughs>